This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today, I am so looking forward to this conversation because it not only pertains to making ourselves successful in our personal lives and our business lives, but it is something that more and more has piqued my interest. And I don't know if it's the time of the year or, you know, with with elections going on and all sorts of political things going on or quite what, but I really, and actually I put out a plea, a pitch on social media asking for speakers who could address the topic of dealing with toxic people. And I pause now because every single one of you just thought of somebody, right? You know, if, whether it's somebody that you work with, somebody that like, you might be married to, um, is, you know, a friend, a family member, all of these various things. Uh, obviously, a lot of people on social media, but it does seem like there's a lot more animosity that is going on right now in the world. And so I really wanted to explore this topic. We're actually going to have several different speakers throughout the, the course of the next couple months that are going to help us deal with this and, and understand it. But today, please join me in welcoming Dr. Nicole Gravagna to our program today. Welcome, Nicole. How are you doing today? I'm well, Deb. Thanks for having me. You know, it, this really is going to be great, partially because, hello, you are a University of Colorado grad. It's so much fun to talk to another buff, um, especially down here in Atlanta. Um, I'm still in Colorado, too, so I, I'm not, I can almost see the, see the medical campus from where I am. Well, and it's funny because you went to Anschutz, which is the, the medical campus um, in East Denver, and I went to University of Colorado Denver, and my husband, who is a University of Colorado Boulder grad, swears that we're really not CU grads. And I point out, excuse me, my <laughs> diploma just says University of Colorado. <laughs> and there are people in Colorado Springs that would also right. argue that they I are. I know, you know the, the, the four big campuses. So, um, but, but yeah, so it's always fun to talk to another buff. But speaking of your education, let me tell people just a little bit about you. So Dr. Nicole Gravagna is a neuroscientist the author of Mindset Your Manners, and a contributor to Forbes, Inc., Newsweek, and others. Nicole teaches leadership to forward-thinking individuals and employees all over the world through her company, NeuroEQ. Her clients reside in the United States, Canada, England, Saudi Arabia, and India, and probably quite a few other places. She has coached leaders at top U.S. institutions, including Lockheed Martin and Yale. Nicole is also a three-time Quora top writer with over 1,300 answers. She writes on emotional intelligence, human capital, and venture capital. Her first book was Venture Capital for Dummies. And as I said, she's a CU grad. So again, Nicole, welcome to our program today. I'm so happy to be here, Deb. I can't wait to get started. And you know, this is a subject that... I've I've long been interested in and and because we see it all the time we we have the person who you know and, and we kind of throw that word toxic around where you know maybe they're they're disagreeable they're unhappy they sabotage things or they're just you know the negative Nelly type of of people and toxic tends to be kind of that you know the the extreme type but you know, as, as I mentioned when we were, uh, when I was doing the intro, we all know people like that. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, let's, but let's take a step back. Why is this a subject that so interests you? This subject interests me the most for a very different reason than it interests other people. Mm-hmm. So most people have a personal interest that they have someone in their lives that they're ready to either get away from, work better with what have you. Mm-hmm. But what interests me about it is that with through my company NeuroEQ, 
companies, employers, HR people will bring me their toxic employees. Mm-hmm. And then, and I, you know, I hear these horror stories. This person is undermining. This person is um, angry. This person has all enemies. No one can work with them. And there's always some political reason why they can't be removed from the office. Right. And when I get this person across the table from me or on the phone with me, they're just a person, just like right. anyone else. Mm-hmm. And we get to, bo- to the bottom of what the challenge is, and then it's over. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's like I feel like I get to be part of the magic of undoing the toxicity that this person has been bringing into so many rooms. Right. You know, and, and so many times, they don't even realize that that's what's happening. Um, you know, it's, and it may be that's just the way they've been for many years, Maybe they're very unhappy, you know, all these various things. And, you know, we, as the recipient of some of those people, a lot of times we think of them as the bullies. Mm -hmm. And I love you. You had sent me this information um, in advance. It's one of your Quora um, articles. And in it, you mentioned the fact that they're actually, they don't feel safe. And I love that concept because that, that really does, from the perspective of the recipient of the, the nastiness, it really turns it around for us. Um, and, and so talk to us more about why a difficult person doesn't feel safe. Yeah. So the funny thing about writing on Quora is that Quora has publishing partners that mm-hmm. then pick up some of those questions and answers and publishes them elsewhere. So I just found that same article. If you Google my name, Nicole Gravagna, and then the ladders, mm-hmm. that article got republished under the ladders. So you can Great. read it there or mm-hmm. you can read it on Quora. And, and the thing about it is that this toxicity, when you walk in, into the presence of somebody who you would consider a toxic or a difficult person, what do you feel? You feel unsafe. Right. And the thing you're is- You're waiting to be attacked almost. You're waiting to be mm-hmm. attacked. And that, the funny thing about that is that's empathy. Mm-hmm. You're feeling the thing that they're feeling. They are feeling unsafe for totally different reasons. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously you feel unsafe because of them. Mm-hmm. They feel unsafe possibly also because of them mm-hmm. but beca- or because of some idea that they've, they have inside them. And, and so this sense of lack of safety is almost like that uh, Charlie Brown character, Pigpen, how right. he had that dirt cloud around mm-hmm. him. Toxic people have this cloud of lack of safety around them. Mm-hmm. And when you walk into it, you feel it too. And it doesn't right. feel good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is. It's like you walk under, you know, we, we talk about people who have the silver cloud. Well, these people have the gloom and doom cloud, the, the oh, Eeyore yeah. maybe, you know, type of, of thing. And and it does, it brings you down too. Um, but yeah. it, it, I love the concept that they don't feel safe. Um, yeah. You know, and there's a lot of think, well, they're just mean people. No. There's a lot there's, of different versions of not feeling safe. Mm-hmm. So there's sort of like the sky is falling, the mm-hmm. doom and the doom people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you walk under into their cloud, you're like, oh my God, it, I, I can't be around this person anymore. Our relationship is falling. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you, you come up with your own story for what that feeling means, but it's the same feeling. And sometimes it's about something else. Sometimes it's about a strategy towards getting things done. We have to do X and it has to be this way. Mm-hmm. So there are lots of different ways that people can come forward with that lack of safety, but it's always a lack of safety. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I- uh, as I said, I don't know if, if we see it more because of social media, you know, all these various things, but we all deal with it all the time, you know, and, and you know, the drive through person who's snarky at us or, you know, the, the person we're working with, all of these various things. And, you know, from the perspective of the, the recipient, how do we deal with these people? I mean, you know, there's obviously the avoidance, you know, okay, I'm just not going to be around them. Yeah, there's that. But but you can't always do that. You can't always do that. And and frankly, these people just pop out of the woodwork. You don't Mm -hmm. know when you're going to run into one. So one of the very first um, tools I learned, and this was a long time ago, but it's still relevant, um, was when you're 
when you're in the presence of someone who you absolutely have to work with, maybe mm-hmm. someone who is the concierge at a hotel, somebody who is making your sandwich, somebody who um, is working on the other side of the, uh, is a bank teller working mm-hmm. on the other side of the counter at the bank and you're, and they're a toxic person and you know they are and you can't just run or you might ask for a manager, but you know, that. But then things tend to go downhill very quickly. Mm -hmm. To work with them, a lot of times, the best way to do that is simply to ask for their help. Oh. Kind of almost put them in control? Yes. Okay. So when when you prostrate yourself in a tiny way Mm -hmm. by saying, I have this problem, can you help me? Mm -hmm. Or what do you recommend? That tends to, and then just stop talking. Mm-hmm. It tends to shift their weight onto a different foot. So then they're, these are difficult people, toxic people are not emotionally intelligent people. They have no idea how they're coming off. Right. They have no idea how to control their emotions. They have no idea how to control your emotions. Mm-hmm. So they're really just responding. They're mm-hmm. reacting. And you can control them quite easily. And I don't mean that in a manipulative way. Mm-hmm. I mean that in you can control the environment. Mm-hmm. And so we've walked into this toxic cloud of unsafety by, by giving them a job, by saying, what do you recommend? You're the, you're the boss here. Right. You now create a sense of safety for them. I like that idea. So, you know, yeah, maybe you've gone up to, you know, we, we mentioned food. So, you know, you've got the person who's waiting on you and they're like, and if you say, you know, how you doing? Never been here before. What would you recommend? It really is kind of hard for them to still be going. Exactly. <laughs> or, or, you know, if you, if something's not going well and you're like, so I ordered this sandwich and this is the one that I have in my hands. What do you recommend? Mm-hmm. And then right. just stop talking. Mm-hmm. They'll fix it. Or right. they won't be able to, in which case, you know, you do need to talk to somebody else. Mm-hmm. But th- it's not just complaining at them, in which case they don't know how to respond. By asking, what do you recommend? They now have to get creative. They mm-hmm. now have to come up with a problem-solving attitude instead of, an adversarial attitude. Right. And, you know, it, it, but it is hard because oh, yeah. we get defensive, you know, oh, yeah. we, we fall into that safety mode. And, and so then it tends to escalate, you know, we're brought the wrong meal. And rather than saying, oh my heavens, you know, I, I, I seem to have gotten the wrong meal. How do you suggest we fix this? We're like, I got the wrong meal. You brought me the wrong thing. Um, you know, and, and so that, and, so how do we get past that mindset of taking the deep breath and going, <sighs> you know, okay. Fabulous yeah. question. So here's, here's the, the especially big challenge. Easier said than done challenge right. mm-hmm. is, okay, so if you think about this toxic person as a person who doesn't feel safe, if you walk up to them and you already don't feel safe, you're a toxic person too. Right. And so then you've kind of got these these bad vibes going wingy wingy at each other. But there's an old joke that you can have one jerk in a bar, but if you have two jerks in a bar, they'll find each other and fight. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you keep fighting with toxic people, guess what? You're a toxic person too. Mm-hmm. In that moment, and toxic people aren't toxic all the time. Just right. when they're unsafe. Mm-hmm. So the way to get past that is to become emotionally aware. Mm-hmm. And so emotional awareness doesn't have to mean like you take a whole bunch of classes. It simply means that you start to get this feedback loop where when you get angry or you feel like you've been slighted or you feel like you have to get up and fight with someone, that's the moment where you go, wait a minute, I know what this is. I know what this is. This is a lack of safety. Mm Mm-hmm. I know that I actually don't have to go fight with someone when I have a lack of safety. I can sit here and ask myself, am I actually in danger? Right. And generally, the answer is no. I mean, sometimes you really are in danger, right. mm-hmm. in which case, yeah, sure, you know, act however you need to act, fight with people if you're really in danger. Yeah, the, but, the old fight or flight thing, you know, does mm-hmm. kick in. But when you've gotten the wrong meal, you're not in danger. 
No. Even if it's, a, it's an allergy, and yes, that could have been awful, mm -hmm. but if you caught it ahead of time, you didn't eat it, and now you're not in danger. Right. You know, and, and I don't know if it's, you know, it, it does seem to me like everybody is, is ready to be nasty, ready to be negative, and maybe I'm just hanging out with the wrong people, but, you know, it, it does seem a lot of times like people are, as, as we used to say, itching for a fight. You know, they want something to be wrong. Um, you know, the whole meal thing, it was interesting. I uh, was out to, you know, there was a group that I belonged to here in, in Atlanta, and, and on occasion we would go out to eat. And one of the members, no matter what they brought him, there was something wrong with it. And, you know, I, things like, you know, if, if we'd gone for breakfast, his bacon was too crispy, not crispy enough. His toast <laughs> wasn't, you know, cooked enough or was burnt. You know, and and it got to be kind of this running joke of, okay, now what's going to be wrong with your meal? Never once did we go somewhere that there wasn't something wrong. And he did it in did kind you of... Did talk to him about it? Like, was that something that was we conscious? Like, what the heck is wrong with you? And, what did but, he say? But, it, well, it's exactly what you said. He never recognized it. He went, what, oh. what? And, and of course, we kind of did the confrontational, as I said, you know, what the heck is wrong with you type of, of thing. And so then, you know, then, and, and then we kind of had the yink going at each other. But it really was one of those where he was incredibly particular about he his food. that behavior. Somebody right. taught him to do that. He used to be a cook. And, oh. and, and so it was really funny because as we kind of talked through all of it, he told us, he said, you know what, I never realized I picked it every single thing. He said, because when I was a cook, I expected that, you know, people wanted perfection from me. Uh-huh. And, 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 of course, he, it never was. You know, we, we, we can, you know, we really can't get perfection. But, you know, and, and so, but he expected it from, from the, the food vendors that, that he dealt with. And, and he said, you know, I never really realized that I found something wrong with every single meal. And then, of course, we thought it was funny. And, and then he made a conscious effort to not do that, at least with us. Um, but it was, yeah. it was yeah, yeah, generally, what's funny is what the second that people become aware mm -hmm. of their behaviors and how they affect others, it's kind of hard for them to continue those behaviors. Right. Sometimes because they do because they're just kind of snarky people. But other times, I mean, it stands out to them like, right. "Oh my gosh, I'm doing it again! I can't, right. I can't stand myself." Mm -hmm. Yeah, you in in your book, you mentioned a young woman who was she interrupted everybody, and and yes. that's you know as you as you said that's a learned behavior, mm -hmm. and then when you start thinking, but then of course she overthought everything. So talk to us about it. You know, when we recognize, oh my gosh, that is what I'm doing. I'm I'm always interrupting or I'm always criticizing or whatever. How do we ourselves work through that process? So she she and I had a great talk about that. It was she had a family set of family values that in in her family, if you didn't do everything you could to understand what was happening in the conversation, in the moment, in the situation, you were missing the boat. You were failing. Wow. So the, the family values were understand mm -hmm. or uh, be shouted at or be less than. And I know it wasn't a violent environment. It was just sort of like, this is what you do. And, and the, their parents were uh, making sure that they were creating smart, uh, productive citizens. Like mm -hmm. that's what she said was, was the goal of her, her family and her parenting or her parenting of herself. And so um, that was really coming through in the sense that if she stopped understanding what was happening in a conversation, she would interrupt but she didn't see it that way. She just thought it was a bad habit. And she, you know, her, her wife had told her that she hated it. Like, don't interrupt me. I'm trying to tell you something important. And she would do it anyway. And she's like, I don't have any control over this behavior. And I don't understand what to do. And every time I do it, I feel bad about myself. And I mean, she's got a point. It's not a good behavior. And so what, what we ended up talking about, I was like, well, okay, first of all, let's stop judging it. This is happening. Right. Let's just look at it. Mm -hmm. You're not a bad person. You were taught to do this. This worked in a different environment and it's not working now. And that happens to people all the time. It's totally fine. So let's get to the other side of it. And it's like, 
Well, when you interrupt someone, the truth is you aren't interested in what they're saying anymore. Right. And she stopped in her tracks and she said, oh my God, you're right. I'm not interested in what they have to say anymore. And I said, that's okay. Sometimes what someone says is not interesting to us and being honest about that doesn't make them feel good. I mean, people want what they're saying to be interesting, but it's the truth. And the truth doesn't always have to be nice. The truth is kind. Mm -hmm. And so when she's like, well, do I just keep interrupting and, and irritating my subject (laughs) and irritating my wife with this? I was like, no, take a look at why you're not interested in what she's saying. Mm -hmm. Your wife is telling you something really important and you're not interested in it. That's interesting. Right. And so she stopped and she's like, you know what? I realized every time she starts talking about her feelings, I interrupt her because I don't get it. Ah. And that was a huge insight. So people can really start to look into, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. What's happening? What's deep under all of this stuff? Because there's, there's some really obvious reasons when you dig down into it you're like oh yeah that totally is happening and it happens every time like that and so she was a very intellectual person she was taught to be intellectual from her family and she she didn't have the language that went around emotions that her wife had and so she didn't have a good way to she just didn't understand she didn't have the fluency in what her wife was trying to tell her and she wasn't taught to value that stuff and so um her her wife, she wanted to value what her her wife valued. And she also didn't have the skills to be able to do what, um, it's one of the qualities we call deference. Mm -hmm. A lot of times people talk about deference in terms of authority, like you defer to an authority figure. Deference can also just be to someone you respect, which could be a peer or even somebody who maybe reports to you. So she, I, I taught her you can defer to your wife. And what that means is if she cares about something, you take that thing she cares about and you put it in your heart and you care about it just as much as she does just because she cares. Right. And that's deference. And some people don't realize that that's a skill. And she wasn't taught that that was a skill. And so Mm -hmm. once she recognized that that was a thing, she was able to do it and, um, and practice it. And so that really opened up some serious changes in her ability to communicate with her wife and other people. Right. You know, and it, it's tricky because, you know, when you're kind of going through that process, then you start focusing on the wrong thing. You know, I, I think you talked about in your book that this young woman, you know, she would get so focused on don't interrupt, don't interrupt, don't interrupt. Yes. That then she lost track of what they were saying. <laughs> yeah. And she's just like interrupting her own listening. Right. So she's not saying anything out loud to interrupt their, their speech, but it's falling on deaf ears because she's just focused on her own desire to not interrupt, mm-hmm. which is just pretty much the same thing. Right. You know, and, and it shows that one of the skills that everybody needs to, and, and I am going to say everybody, I'm, you know, I'm going to really overgeneralize here. Listening is a skill that I think most of us need to work on, you know, and, and whether it's that we're, you know, we're thinking of something else, or we don't care what they're saying, or all of those things. And then we do miss something that they're saying. Um, But, you know, just listening and being active in that really does help with a lot of this. Um, You know, we all know when we're talking to somebody and they're, they're not paying attention, you know, whether it's your spouse, whether it's somebody that you're working with, you know, you're, you're at a, say, a networking thing, and you're introducing yourself, and they're looking over your shoulder to see who else is there. You're like, okay, now I don't want to, you know, and, and all they needed to do was look at me and I'm like, okay, you know, and, and, and I'm just as guilty of that, uh, you know, and, and I think that's one of those, listening has become a skill that we really do need to start practicing again. Oh my gosh. And, and the wisdom out there over the last, uh, gosh, decades of what active listening is, Mm -hmm. is kind of BS. So all of this education that they've been teaching in, in kind of expensive classes about active listening isn't even 
useful. Right. I mean, think about the active listening is like, okay, look, make sure you're looking at me, make sure you're nodding, make sure you're making stare between noises. their their eyes. Yeah, yeah. Which just sure freaks the people language. out. Uh-huh. Right. And so, like, if you're actually listening to me, you don't have to do anything to show me because I can tell. Mm-hmm. If actual listening is happening, you don't need to make a big show of it. Right. So people glance around, they, you know, they do other things, but if somebody's staring at me, you know, at at the point between my eyes, you know, right, right above the bridge of my nose. And it's funny, I'm, I'm actually touching that point as, as we're saying this, you, it it pretty, it really does. It starts freaking you out. You're like, yeah, okay. Uh, Yeah. I'm fine with somebody kind of glancing around, but when they stare, I'm like, oh, you know, what's wrong? Yeah. You know, you're like, do I have something there? Is there a bug on me? Right. So the, something between my teeth, right? Listening is one of those things that when you tell someone to learn about listening or like here, you don't, you can learn more about listening. They're like, I listen. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I do, um, I have, I have a three day leadership uh, workshop and it's separated into three main parts which are all foundational parts of taking an idea to execution, which is what leadership basically is. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the parts is, so you have to have confidence mm-hmm. to take something um, from idea to execution. You have to have motivation or else nothing's going to happen. And you have to have the wisdom to know what to do. Mm-hmm. And listening is the skill that underlies wisdom. Ah. So when, now when I talk about listening, I talk about it as wisdom. Mm-hmm. And so this is the idea that you, the knowledge of what to do next doesn't come from within. I mean, a little piece of it might, but it also comes from other people. Mm-hmm. It also comes from understanding boundaries it also, and, and the rules and, and the limitations, it also comes from understanding possibilities. So all of those different things aren't in you already. You have to listen to the world to be able to find all of those mm-hmm. things. And, and so listening is, is not just listening to people speaking. It's listening with your whole body. It's listening with your emotions. It's listening with your skin. And people are like, wait, what? I'm going to listen to my skin? Mm-hmm. When you listen with your whole body and everything that you have, you're picking up on so many different kinds of information that are beyond logical. So you have logic information, you have sensation information, you have emotion information. And when you have all of those different kinds of information overlapping with each other, then your decision-making is super easy because you get the picture right, really clearly. And so, yeah, the listening skill, I, I'm, I'm hoping that we get away from active listening and we start getting into, some people call it radical listening, some people call it whole body listening. Um, we don't have fantastic words for it. Wisdom listening, maybe mm-hmm. we can coin that term. Right, that's <laughs> it. Okay, we'll trademark that. Yeah. Well, and it's, you're, you're so right because, you know, when we're really listening to somebody, and, and you mentioned that, you know, you, you feel it in your skin. Sometimes the hair goes up on the back of your neck. Yeah. It uh, goosebumps or tingly or, you know, all of these things. And, and it, it is, and, and some of that then flows into empathy. You know, all these various, say they're talking about, you know, they, they got kicked in the shin. You know, if you're really paying attention, sometimes your shin starts to hurt, you know, and, and. I was telling, I've had a little, little side story. I was telling a woman uh, about, I really needed empathy. I knew it would be like medicine to me at the moment. I was Mm -hmm. at a, um, I was at a a three-day conference. Somebody else was teaching me stuff for three days Mm -hmm. and I was moving and there was all this stuff going on. I just knew that I needed a moment of empathy as medicine. Mm -hmm. And so I took one of the trainers there and I knew she would be empathetic. And I said, Mm -hmm. I said, I could use some empathy right now. She's like, okay, what's going on? Mm -hmm. I told her I got bit in the side of the face, like right by my eye with the spider. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't touch it because it was so swollen and so itchy and so painful that I, you couldn't really see it, but it hurt so bad. Mm-hmm. And, and I told her, it's so itchy. And without thinking, her hand went up I was to her say eye. She touched her eye. Mm-hmm. And she scratched her eye. And I was like, that's all I needed. Mm-hmm. I just needed somebody to feel my pain with me. Right. And I was like, thank you very much. And she went on her way. And that's all I needed. You know, and what you just mentioned is one of the hardest things I think sometimes for people is to say, I need. 
Yeah. You know, I, I need you to, to, you know, I need to have a pity party or, you know, I need to, to brag, you know, all mm-hmm. these various things because we, we isolate ourselves or, you know, we, we don't want to come across as whining or bragging or, you know, all these various things. But you're right. We need that. We need that connection with other people so that it kind of validates what we're feeling. Yeah. The, what I see as a really common theme in business, in personal life, it's funny, I, I do business coaching, which then often rolls into marriage counseling because oh. you find out that, you know, whatever is happening at mm-hmm. home is like the canary in the coal mine for what's mm-hmm. happening at work because mm-hmm. it's the same stuff. And so um, what I'm finding as a theme is that the world is trapped in unconscious strategies. And so people are using strategies that they came up with without really consciously coming up with them. That These were unconscious strategies and they're fighting over them. Mm-hmm. And they don't realize that both people have the same exact goal. And those goals can happen simultaneously. It's the strategy they're fighting over. Mm. And so there's this you know, this idea that if we could just get people to recognize how they're using strategies to get what they want, we would be able to fulfill everyone's needs. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with nonviolent communication as a... No. It's a a learning um, pedagogy, I guess. Um, Nonviolent communication was created and promoted uh, by a guy named... Marshall Rosenberg, who died in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And you can find videos of him all over the internet. And it's it's actually not that hard to learn from those videos. There's a three-hour video, I think in California, he's wearing a red shirt. If you find it and you're interested, just watch the whole thing. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, and so what he talks about is the bottom of everyone's problems are unmet needs. But getting to the point where you can even recognize what the need is takes work if you've right. never done it before. Because we have unmet needs too. Everybody does. Yep. And so when two people are having a conflict, they often have, they're each, it's two people having separate conflicts mm-hmm. and somehow they've come together probably because they're looking at each other as the one who's supposed to fulfill their need. Mm-hmm. And when you can really figure out what the need is and lay it on the table, it's actually not that hard to fulfill it. Hmm. But they're fighting over the strategies, and those are the things that often conflict. Right. Yeah, you, you want the same goal. Uh, you know, you, you, you want the project to be successful, the product to be successful, you know, uh, the marriage to be successful. You know, yeah, all of those people, people almost always, the, the goal when it's at work mm-hmm. is I want to do a good job. Mm-hmm. That's the bottom goal. Right. Because I want... We don't want to do a bad job. Nobody gets hired and says, I want to screw up this this job. Um, We all want to feel the sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. And when you're at work, the sense of belonging often comes from doing a good job. That's already a strategy. Right. And so the strategy of doing a good job is fulfilled in a myriad of different ways, Mm -hmm. sometimes by being pain. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so two people will fight over something at work because they're both desperately trying to do a good job. Isn't Mm -hmm. that the saddest thing? You just want to undo that knot right away. My method's better, darn it. (laughs) You're in the way of my method happens Mm -hmm. a lot of times too. Mm -hmm. Well, and you know, you, in the the article that, that we were talking about, you talk about the fact that, you know, people think, well, I'm not going to be noticed for my contributions. So I'm going to belittle somebody else's. It, it, it's sort of, it's more like, uh, that becomes a jealousy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, this untrue belief that there is only so much praise to go around. And if someone else is getting it, then I won't, mm-hmm. um, which is just not true. But it's, it's kind of like the little kid who says, you know, mommy loves you more. Yeah, like the, love is not a, a finite resource, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, but we get our, in our heads that it is. Mm-hmm. And so we start to fight over who's getting it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's actually really easy to undo these problems. And it, it's fascinating because I, I work with companies that the hardest part of my job is getting them to a point where they recognize that there are really simple solutions to these problems that they've been living with their whole lives. Mm-hmm. 
it's hard for someone to believe that there's a simple solution to something they haven't already solved. Right. It's, it's simple, but it isn't easy. People mm-hmm. have to do emotional work to get there. And that requires a very special environment, the right questions asked at the right time, um, a sense of trust. And that's where you know, bringing me in from the outside can be really helpful because mm-hmm they already don't have a sense of trust going on in the office. There's that lack of safety going on in there. So when I come in, I've got carte blanche. Mm-hmm. Nobody's, nobody's attributed terrible things to me. So I can now establish trust within the first 15 minutes because it's my job. Mm-hmm. And then that allows for all of this to get worked out very quickly. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about some examples, you know, and, and yeah. you know, so, you know, you, you're called in to an office because the team just isn't getting along. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the manager knows he's got a great team. Everybody's talented. You know, they, they all know what they're doing, but they can't get from point A to point B without almost coming to blows. Mm-hmm. How do you work with that, that team? Okay. So I had, I had, I've got two, and I don't know which one I should tell you. Um, So I'll tell you the first one because it's kind of extreme. There was a young man, um, very smart, very driven, uh, had been at this company for five years, which was a long time because it was an early company. And he was one of the few people there who had the institutional knowledge that the company needed, and they needed him to move up into management. And he was super willing, really wanted to be management. Mm -hmm. And so he started to be a team leader and he started to have an open door policy where people could come in and he could give guidance and that kind of thing. And every time that happened, he would get angry and shout them out of his office. (gasps) Oh, no. Oh, no. Right? Terrible. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, you cannot be management if you shout people out. You should not be management Mm -hmm. if you shout people out of your office. But... Again, the company really needed him to be management, and he really wanted to do it, and he had all of the technical knowledge to, to be that guy. So they were, they were facing down the barrel of a situation where this guy was about to become a toxic manager. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, we intercepted, and it was within the first 15 minutes. Like He was open to learning, which, you know, good for him. Some people are already shut down and, and they're much harder to reach. Mm-hmm. He was very interested in learning. He wanted to do a good job and he saw that he wasn't. He admitted in the first 15 minutes, I realize I can't be a good manager if I shout at these people. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, this is not a good skill. Right. And but so, he doesn't know why he's doing it. He didn't know why he was doing it. He's, and I said, well, when do you notice that it's happening? And he's like, well, generally, as soon as the door closes, as they've left. I was like, okay, good. So it's not like three weeks later. You at least notice sort of in the moment. He says, mm-hmm. yeah, but the damage has already been done. I already shouted and they already left. So mm-hmm. like, that's okay. I said, imagine a time when you did that. He's like, okay, I did it this morning. I was like, okay, great. So like call that to mind. Now I, I know this is going to sound weird, but just stick out your index finger. I had this guy on video chat. I was like, stick out your index finger and point to where you feel this experience in your body. And he's like, okay. And he kind of like tracks his finger around his body and it lands on the back of his head. And he's like, here, I feel it on the back of my head. Mm -hmm. Great. What does it feel like? And he said, um, it feels like a buzzing. It's like, great. Frankly, it doesn't matter what it feels like. It doesn't matter where it is. That doesn't mean anything to anybody but him. Um, It's just... For him to be able to connect that sensation, remember I talked about there's a listening in your skin? Right. Connect that sensation to his behavior. Behavior, I'm a neuroscientist, and so this is not generally common knowledge. Behavior is triggered not by thoughts, but by sensation. Hmm. We automatically, especially automatic unconscious behaviors. So we respond to things that we feel in our bodies without thinking about them. Consider a bag of chips that you open and eat without really thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Your stomach told you eat something. You picked that. You didn't give it two thoughts. You ate the whole bag. Right. Behaviors happen from sensations. So for him to be able to notice the sensation then allowed him to the next time it came around, he could notice the sensation in the moment. And he's like, well, what do I do when I notice it in the moment? And I was like, cool. You're, you have a script that you've been reading from, and that's the shouting script. Mm-hmm. 
throw it out. Right. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, just throw that. Like, it in is, your it mind. is easier said than done. I, you know, we, we understand that. Throw that on the floor. But once you notice in the moment that you're about to do it, you mm-hmm. can stop. So I was like, throw that on the floor. He's like, cool. Then what script do I read from? And I was like, you don't get to have a script. And he's like, oh. Now what? Now what? And I said, here's where you grow. You figure out what you're going to do in this situation. And I was like, it's totally fine if you mess this up. Because the last time you shouted at them. So this time, my guess is it's not going to be worse. Mm -hmm. And he's like, okay, I can handle that. So he contacts me a couple days later and he says, okay, I tried it. And, um, and it, I was able to stop before I shouted at him. So then I didn't have a script and I just stood there and listened. I was like, ah. <laughs> uh-huh. and, and of course they're waiting for him to yell. I'm sure. These poor people. I have, I haven't actually talked to those people, so I don't know what the reception of it is, but um, so he, he's like, but then as soon as it was my turn to talk, I started to get really critical again. And so then we worked through the nuances of how to keep listening and how to ask questions. And then, and then he recognized other people in his office who were really good question askers in problem solving environments. So then he started to find his own mentors in the office, people that he could start to learn from. And now I'm not as necessary. He just, he bounces things off of me. But as you can see, this is really just sort of like changing somebody's patterns. Mm -hmm. And once you do, there's so much learning to be done. Right. Well, now, how do you deal with the person who refuses to acknowledge that there's a problem? Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, the the I'm right no matter what, how dare you criticize me, or what do you mean I interrupt people? You know, all those various things. Because you're called into offices. You mentioned, you know, you're called in. And so what if you, you, you get in and that person says, that's not the way I behave, or what's your problem with that? How dare you criticize me right. people mm-hmm. are actually easier. Mm-hmm. So the hardest people are the overly positive people. Uh-huh. Because they won't admit that there's a problem at all. Right. So the, the how dare you criticize me people generally have a problem with someone. So we'll start with the problem that they have with someone else. Mm-hmm. And that's easy. Then I can easily, you know, we start there and I can walk them back to where it is inside them. Mm -hmm. Um, The people that say everything's ducky, it's all roses. I haven't had a problem in my whole life. I live under a fantastic star. Look how positive and optimistic everything is. Those people are impossible. Right. (laughs) I mean, the funny thing is, we don't want to be around those people either, right? Because you're like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's like absolute pure denial. Mm hmm. And, and an addiction to optimism. Mm-hmm. And so it takes a lot longer. Those people are actually very expensive because it takes a lot longer right. to get to, to the bottom of any problem. Mm-hmm. Well, and you don't want to crush their spirit you know, by saying, you know, you, you, I mean, obviously you can't say you idiot or anything like that, but, you know, getting them to the realization is, I'm, I'm sure really is very difficult because, they're, you know, they don't want their spirit crushed for whatever reason. Well, because there's a lot under there they haven't looked at. Right, right. That positivity it, is a, a, a it's, it's a defense just, mechanism. It's a marshmallow mm-hmm. that is covering up a whole lot of junk. Right. You know, it's it's the marshmallow that's got the bubble wrap around it. That's got the you know all those things and somewhere and there's, in there, the there's rotting right. old meat in the mm-hmm. middle of that thing that they don't want to look at. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and obviously they want to protect themselves. I mean, it comes back oh, yeah. to what we were saying at the very start. Yeah. It's that safety thing. Mm-hmm. They don't want to, to acknowledge that you know, maybe they don't work well with that boss because that boss reminds them of an abusive parent. You know, yeah. and, and all those many layers. Um, and, and then it comes back to what we were saying. So we all just go, okay, we're not going to deal with them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's funny how the toxic person who's, who's like – angrily shouting at you mm-hmm. and the overly positive person are using totally different strategies to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing, I'd rather deal with the toxic person. Oh yeah. Well, they're, and like you they're said, because laying we, it all out there, yeah, you know, and, and you know, in a lot of cases I might recognize, okay, maybe it's a self-esteem thing and they just need to be acknowledged for 
the good that they do or you know contribute or you know whatever it is and you know like we said you know and then you, you ask them the question you give them the chance to kind of take back the power all of those various things but yeah the the you know miss miss perky polly it's like ugh, do we have to invite her to the meeting again <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, uh, from a coaching perspective the negative nelly can be neutralized with a little positivity mm-hmm. but positive Polly, like if you dash that person with the truth, even if it's a kind truth, mm-hmm. there, yeah, it's just, it, it could really crush them. I mean, you know, oh, and it and, does, and, yeah. it, it always does. And well, I mean, that's and, frankly, my job is to, <laughs> right. my job is to both crush people mm-hmm. and grow them at the same time. Right. Well, and that's where, it you know it, it's so important if you're the manager if you're you know the 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 business owner the the whoever it is is to call in someone like you because you know how to crush them without just completely breaking them um you know whereas you know we we the lay people are are going to crush their spirit and they're going to quit they're going to do whatever um you know and and yeah it's and, it's an and, interesting thing that that um you have to break an egg to make an omelet for mm-hmm. real. And the power of it is to be able to crush someone and show them the path out of that destruction within mm-hmm. the same half hour. Right. You know, and unfortunately when, you know, when we're the, the, the we're not, you mentioned you come in and you're unbiased, you know, the biased people, we, we just want to fix it. You know, and we don't care, you know, and, and we want that team to work and, and all these various things. And, and we forget that there's other ways that, that need to do this. And so, again, that's why it's so important when you've got a situation like this to call in people that really know what the heck they're doing. That lack of bias is really important. And mm-hmm. now I'm going to speak to other coaches right now in terms of if you care how this goes, if you like, especially maybe coaches who are called in or people who are at work in a coaching culture where they're coaching each other at work. If you have an opinion about the outcome and you have a direction, you need this to go in, you're going to be a terrible coach. Right. Because you're no longer unbiased. You're no longer unbiased. Well, and obviously you want good as the result. I mean, you know, and, 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 but yeah, when, when you're thinking, okay, we need this team to work together to finish X project, then you're right. You cannot be unbiased anymore. People are usually unsatisfied with good. Mm -hmm. They want good something, Mm -hmm. very specific good. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Now, what I mentioned at the start of the program, what really started me thinking about, we've got all these toxic people and, and all of those things is social media. In particular, Facebook. Um, I spend a lot of time on Facebook. And right now, we've got a lot of political unrest, a lot of people that are just cranky and, and unhappy. And you know, it's funny because some of these posts I will read, these people are like, oh, my God, this is horrible. This is awful. And I want to just tell them, so stop reading it. Stop. Stop. And, and, and I do that, too. I'm like, okay. I, I, I found this great filter the other day that you can download, and it will, you can put in specific words. And those posts will no longer show up in Facebook. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing since since sliced bread. But the thing that I notice, and when I do my trainings around social media, I tell people that screen is not your protection. And that's what so many people think is, you know, I can say whatever I want because that screen is going to protect me. And they don't care whose feelings they hurt or, you know, and, and, and they'll use words that if we were in person face to face, you'd never say things. You know, I, I had somebody one time who I didn't know. I mean, I just happened to be commenting on this thread who I, I said something obviously hit a hot button with her and she went off on me, called me an idiot, all sorts of things. And I'm sitting here thinking, what the heck did I do? Um, you know, but she, if, if we'd been somewhere, more than likely she wouldn't have, now she might've still responded, but she wouldn't have responded so vehemently. So, you know, clearly that, you know, one of the easiest things is just don't look and don't respond and and all of those things. But we do get drawn in sometimes to to those discussions. There's some neuroscience reasons for that. We actually can't 
look away when there's a conflict. It's it's the train wreck thing. You yeah. have to you have to see you know who got hurt and how icky is it and. So instead of teaching people to be more kind, which you know would be a fantastic lesson, mm-hmm. I put my energy on teaching people to be assertive with their boundaries. Oh, because imagine if everyone were assertive with their boundaries and somebody started talking smack on mm-hmm. Facebook and mm-hmm. no one liked it, but they were looking at it because of you know the fact that it's a conflict and they can't help but look at it. Mm-hmm. If they were able to be assertive with their boundaries, if they had control over their attention and control over their ability to say to someone, I'd rather not see this from you. And because I'm seeing these things from you, I'm going to have to block you. Mm-hmm. If everyone did that, these people wouldn't have an audience. Right. Or they'd have just their little group of ning, 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 ning people. And, sure, and they, they could hang out with people be. that love to hear that stuff all right. day. Right. And, and some people who insist, I wish I didn't hear this thing from this person. Oh, they love it. They love mm-hmm. it through and through. Right. I'll, t- I'll tell another story of a, um, a young man. This was actually somebody who was a career development person that I had, mm-hmm. not, um, not somebody who was in a job that I, w- I wasn't hired by their employer. I was hired mm-hmm. by him. And I had to fire him as, as a client because oh. we came to the realization that his depression and his negativity was foundational mm. to his relationships. Mm-hmm. All of the people that he cared about, all of the people that he spent his time with, all of the people that he wanted to see on a regular basis were also depressed, angry, alcoholic, um, the, the whole misery loves company thing. Misery loves company. That was their culture. Mm-hmm. And I told him, you know, you, there's a choice to be made here. You can live a happy, productive, positive life, or you can have these friends. You can't do both. Right. Because if you start to get to the other side of this negativity, you're not going to fit in that culture anymore. Right. And so he's like, cool, I get it. I, this is my culture. I want to be part of this. I guess I don't need to develop. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he recognized that and that was the choice he made. Yep. And so sometimes development is not the answer. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the acceptance of, of where I am is exactly where I want to be right. is the answer. Well, and sometimes they need that validation that, oh, okay, well, you know, this, this is the way it's going to be. And, and I think we all know people like that, right? Where they, they love that, you know, it is the misery loves company type of thing. They Mm -hmm. wouldn't know how to, to be if they Mm -hmm. were somewhere else. And, and those of us who don't like that, we've learned, we just avoid them as much as possible. Um, You know, uh, one of the things that, that I really make a conscious effort of now, you know, having been very ill is to not be around negative people because that that energy is just not there. Now, can I avoid them totally? No. I mean, you know, some some are are people that you just really can't completely, you know, get away from, but you can limit your exposure. Or more importantly, as you know, as as I was reading some of the things that that you have, it's like, okay, how do I need to deal with them differently? You know, can I, you know, am, am what do I need to say to them? to kind of diffuse that, to, t- to make them feel safe again. Um, you know, and, and I think that's probably, you know, I've said it several times, sometimes we just want to avoid it. You know, okay, I'm just not going not gonna to go there, not going to talk to that person. But in most cases, we, we still need to deal with it to some degree. And, and I love your information because it does say, you know, here are some, some ways that, that you can do that. And again, it's make them feel safe, validate them, tell them that they're doing a good job. I mean, you there's know, one more way you can do it. Mm-hmm. So as we, as we wrap up here, there's this, this idea that, okay, if you limit your interaction with somebody who's difficult, then, but, and you're planning, like, I'm going to see this difficult person. Mm-hmm. I've got 10 minutes with them or I've got an hour with them and they're a family member or somebody that you really do want to see what you can do is recognize that their energy, this energy that you don't really want to feel, mm-hmm. you don't have to hold on to it when you walk away from them. Right. You, yes, you'll experience it while you're standing next to them, mm-hmm. but you don't have to absorb it and carry mm-hmm. it around like a giant bag of trash. Mm-hmm. You can just feel it, let it wash over you, let it pass through you, and don't it, let it stick to you. I think what people end up doing is they spend a lot of time trying to block that energy. Mm-hmm. 
And that's exhausting. And it's a fight. I'm blocking your negativity. I'm blocking your trash from getting on me. Instead, just feel it. And that's empathy. Right. Feel Feel their pain. Feel their pain. Mm -hmm. Feel how horrible it is for them. You can even say, this it's not, it feels like you're going through something really hard right now, mm-hmm. which just like that woman who scratched her eye when I needed empathy, mm-hmm. it melts somebody's soul mm-hmm. when you see them and their pain. Right. They may try to fight you like some people really don't like to be seen. Mm-hmm. And if you just keep it up, no, it, like tell me what's going on that's so hard right now. It, it seems like there's something really hard for you. Mm-hmm. Um, they will melt in a way you've never seen them melt. Right. And it might be that they can't talk about it then. Of course. But it's, you know, leave that option open. You know, tell them, I'm, I'm here when you need me type of thing. Yeah. And let it go at that point. If they're not going to talk about it, don't push it. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's where it's hard, especially as a, a manager, as a business owner, because, of course, there are boundaries that you, you couldn't and shouldn't cross. But some, you know, and, and so maybe that is where you say, hey, you know, do we need to get you outside help? Or, you know, here are some of the, here are some other options that you have. Do you need time off? I mean, you know, some of these things, you know, without asking somebody very specific, you know, type of, of questions that, you know, that, that HR frowns on, um, you know, it, it comes back to that, that word empathy. You mm-hmm. know, when somebody, even if somebody, you know, if I know you feel my pain, you might not be able to fix it, but just knowing that you feel that makes me feel better. And knowing that you don't have to pretend anymore. One of the hardest parts of having trouble mm-hmm. is when you have to pretend like you're not. Right. Right. And, and have that mask on because that is just exhausting. It's so exhausting. Mm-hmm. You know, and those are the people that we see that all of a sudden crack or break uh-huh. or do the horrible, awful things. Um, and then you're stuck in the tsunami and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, Sorry. Right. You know, and, and whatever, it, you know, maybe they, maybe something really bad happens or maybe they just yell or throw things or, you know, various things. How many times do we think back and go, oh yeah, we were just waiting for that to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, don't wait for it to happen. See if you can stop it before then. Mm-hmm. Totally. Well, Nicole, this, this really is fascinating to me. And I think, you know, it, it's something that we all, we all experience, you know, it, it, and and for those of us who think we don't, well, maybe we're the Pollyannas of the world. You know, I'm sorry. You know, there there are things that are happening. So, you know, don't ignore them. But how can they get more information from you and connect with you? Sure. I am all over the internet. They can look up my name. There are many articles that came out of Quora and otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, you can ask me questions on Quora. You can follow me on Facebook. Some things get posted up there. Mm-hmm. Follow me on Twitter. And um, I also am taking clients on Live Coach. Mm-hmm. So if someone wants direct interaction with me to get past a difficult person, or if they themselves are worried they might be a difficult person, um, we can talk there too. Mm-hmm. Well, and I love the fact that you mentioned that you don't have to be in person with them. Um, you got to oh, love technology, you know. And 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 one of the things we had had kind of talked about this before the program even started, and then we didn't even get to, so that just means I have to have you on again, <laughs> are different cultures and how, oh, yeah. you know, how that's handled, um, you know, because in, in some cultures, they're, uh, you know, I'm thinking of like the Italians who are very emotional, you know, and are they really, you know, or are they just waving their arms around a lot? Um, you know, yeah, this and, is and, another case of different yeah. strategies, but right. people are people. Everyone's, mm-hmm. everyone is the same and everyone is different. Mm-hmm. Both are right. true. But the, the cool thing is you can work with people around the world um, because of, of technology and, and things like that. And, and you know, it, it, the, the nice thing is, yeah, we can see people because the, the one thing that we really didn't talk about was body language and, and things like that, you know, and, and so to be able to use Skype, to be able to use, we're using Zoom, you know, all the various technologies, FaceTime, you can see them. And, and that's where I'm sure uh, technology really has made things so much better for you. What's funny, Deb, is I can do a lot of what I do through text. Ah. Uh, There's a, there's a way that you can hone your empathy to be Mm -hmm. so strong that you don't need to see someone moving. Mm -hmm. You can just feel them through text. Right. And, you know, see, this, this really does just fascinate me, and, and I love all of this. So we will definitely have you on again. And unfortunately, it's not like all of this will go away. I mean, you know, there's, there's no, always no. going to be all of this. And, and, I mean, that's just, to, you know, human behavior. 
you know, and, and, and really, I wouldn't want to live somewhere where everything was roses and la-di-da-di-da. I mean, ugh, that's boring. Um, but, you know, we, we can ourselves recognize, okay, take a step back. Take that breath. You know, what can we do to help that other person? And, you know, so do you have any final tips for us? I have the one final tip that the first way to help everything is to accept what's happening right now mm-hmm. and accept that it's not necessarily your job to change it. Oh, or fix it. So, or fix it. So the second you can accept something, even if it's not roses, the second it gets a lot easier for you to get through it. Mm. I love it. I love it. Well, Nicole, I really can't wait to have you on again. This, it's going to be so much fun. So, you know, we will definitely do that and, and get something scheduled. I am Deb Creer. I've been having just an absolutely fascinating time talking with Dr. Nicole Gravagna. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real life stories and techniques to power up your business. You've been listening to C-Suite Radio. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.